Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Search, Ponder, and Pray, podcast where we strive to follow the Come Follow Me provided by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and where we do our best to um, become more devoted and dedicated disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, welcome to Season 3, I guess. Um, <clears throat> hope you all had a wonderful holidays, a good Christmas, and a happy New Year. Um, welcome to the Book of Mormon this year. We'll be in the Book of Mormon. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I apologize for the audio quality today. We're in the middle of some other projects, and I wasn't able to get my usual microphone set up. I apologize about that, but we're, I'm dedicated. I'm determined to try and get um, regular episodes out this year. We're going to do our best. All right, but like I said, we're in the Book of Mormon this year, and this week we're going to be kind of dealing with the introduction, the title page, and, and things more of that nature before we dive in. But before we get too far into it, let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this day. We thank Thee, Father, for the opportunity we have to study the Scriptures. We thank Thee for the sacrifices of those before us who put in the work to be able to, for us to be able to have these scriptures. Father, please bless us with thy spirit that we might be able to find the truths that are applicable and important to us in our lives today. We pray for these things humbly, Father, in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So, uh, like I said, we are going to be in the Book of Mormon. Um, we're going to be kind of dealing with the introduction. So, if we go to the Book of Mormon student manual, we're now there. Um, and we kind of just open it to chapter one, the keystone of our religion, we'll find an introduction. It says, The prophet Joseph Smith stated, I told the brethren that the Book of Mormon was the most correct book, most correct of any book on earth, and the keystone of our religion, and a man would get nearer to God by abiding by its precept, precepts than by any other book. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles wrote that the Book of Mormon should be considered the most remarkable and important religious text to be revealed since the writings of the New Testament were compiled nearly two millennia ago. Indeed, in its role of restoring plain and precious biblical truths that had been lost, while adding scores of new truths about Jesus Christ and preparing the way for the complete restoration of his gospel and the triumphant day of his millennial return, the Book of Mormon may be considered the most remarkable and important religious text ever given to the world. As you begin your study of the Book of Mormon, look for the great truths it contains. Specifically, the Book of Mormon testifies of Jesus Christ's divinity and the reality of his atonement. Furthermore, the Book of Mormon reaffirms God's covenant with the house of Israel and demonstrates the need for us to make and keep sacred covenants. By prayerfully studying this volume of scripture, you will gain depth and power in your testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ and its restoration on the earth in the latter days. All right, so <clears throat> like uh, like it's saying here, obviously the focus as we push forward, as we study this year, as as with anything, our focus should be on Jesus Christ. We should be looking for the truths of how we can become more like our Savior as we study. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into the title page. So the title page of the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon, an account written by the hand of Mormon upon plates taken from the plates of Nephi. Where, wherefore, it is an abridgment of the record of the people of Nephi and also of the Lamanites, written to the Lamanites, 
who are a remnant of the house of Israel, and also to Jew and Gentile, written by way of commandment, and also by the spirit of prophecy and of revelation, written and sealed up and hid up unto the Lord, that they might not be destroyed, to come forth by the gift and power of God unto the interpretation thereof, sealed by the hand of Moroni, and hid up unto the Lord, to come forth in due time by way of the Gentile, the interpretation thereof by the gift of God, an abridgment taken from the book of Ether also, which is a record of the people of Jared, who were scattered at the time of the Lord, confounded the language of the people when they were building a tower to get to heaven, which is to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel what great things the Lord hath done for their fathers, and that they may know the covenants of the Lord, that they are not cast off forever, and also to the convincing of Jew and Gentile, that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God, manifesting himself unto all nations. And now, if there are faults, they are the mistakes of men. Wherefore, condemn not the things of God, that ye may be found spotless at the judgment seat of Christ. Translated by Joseph Smith, Jr. <clears throat> Alright, so if we jump back to the student manual about the title page, it says, The Book of Mormon title page begins, The Book of Mormon account written by the hand of Mormon upon plates taken from the plates of Nephi. This is followed by two paragraphs likely authored by the Book of Mormon prophet Moroni, son of Mormon. The prophet Joseph Smith explained that the title page of the Book of Mormon is a literal translation taken from the very last leaf on the left-hand side of the collection or book of plates, which contain the record which has, which has been translated. The language of the whole running the same as all Hebrew writing in general, that is, from right to left. And that said title page is not by any means a modern composition, either of mine or any other man who has lived or does live in this generation. So that's a little interesting kind of thing to think about. You know, oftentimes we look at it. I, I, I often think of the title page as simply being, you know, a little bit of an introductory thing that was put there by the church just to, you know, kind of, break us in and to give us an idea of what the Book of Mormon is and all that sort of thing, but not to realize that it actually comes from Moroni to be written f to us directly, that it is a direct translation. It's not a, 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 summary, a summary of some sort or a, a, another thing like that, but it is in fact a a little bit of scripture almost, you could say. To come forth in due time, the first paragraph of the Book of Mormon title page declares that the sacred record will come forth in due time. President Ezra Taft Benson testified that the timing of the coming forth of the Book of Mormon shows its significance in the restoration of the gospel. He says, quote, A powerful testimony to the importance of the Book of Mormon is to note where the Lord placed its coming forth in the timetable of the unfolding restoration. The only thing that preceded it was the first vision. In that marvelous manifestation, the prophet Joseph Smith learned the true nature of God and that God had a work for him to do. The coming forth of the Book of Mormon was the next thing to follow. Think of, think of that in terms of what it implies. The coming forth of the Book of Mormon preceded the restoration of the priesthood. It was published just a few days before the church was organized. The saints were given the Book of Mormon to read before they were given the revelations outlining such great doctrines as the three degrees of glory, celestial marriage, or work for the dead. It came before priesthood quorums, 
and, tr- and church organization. Doesn't this tell us something about how the Lord views this sacred work? That comes from his um, conference talk in November, November of 1989, 1986. Sorry, this is October conference talk from 1986. That is an interesting thing to think about. And obviously, you know, we could we could say, oh well, it's kind of the the founding block. We're told it's the keystone of our religion. We're told that that's where where they got their information, where they got the you know was it we were able to build their testimony of the restoration and true but not only that but to have the ability to find truth according to god's restored plan um i was thinking about dr jordan peterson he talks about how the bible is more important than truth because it not only contains truth but it tells us whereby we can discern what is true and I think the Book of Mormon, I, I personally think the Book of Mormon falls into that same category, that not only do the Book of Mormon and Bible together tell us what's true, they help us to discern what else in the world is true. They're kind of the guideposts that we can use. And without that, we really are in a lot of a heap of trouble. It continues on, it says, Elder, Elder L. Tom Perry of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles explained the Book of Mormon was written for our day. He says, quote, the major writers of the Book of Mormon fully understood that their writings were primarily for the people of a future generation rather than for the people of their own generation. Moroni wrote to our generation, quote, I speak unto you as if he were present. Close quote. That comes from his uh, October 2005 conference talk. Um, Speaking of our need to apply the Book of Mormon in our lives, President Ezra Taft Benson declared, if, quote, if they saw our day and chose those things which would be of greatest worth to us, is not that how we should study the Book of Mormon? We should constantly ask ourselves, why did the Lord inspire Mormon or Moroni or Alma to include that in his record? What lesson can I learn from that to help me live in this day and age? Close quote. That comes from, uh, again, the 1986 um, October General Conference. There's a lot there. That, that does make, you know, give some serious weight to the Book of Mormon and to the scriptures as we, as we study them. To think that the prophets were thinking of us. They, they saw us. They, they were writing for us specifically. Continues on with Elder Elder Perry also suggested an important practice when reading the Book of Mormon. He says, quote, each time we read the book, we should probably ask ourselves, why did these writers choose these particular stories or events to include in the record? What value are they for us today? So not only, close quote, that comes from, again, the October 2005 General Conference. So not only should we think about they saw us, but consider this. Consider the fact that <clears throat> For one, many of these prophets or these these writers would have to write what they wanted in the scriptures on metal plates of some sort by meticulously scraping and scratching into the metal or chiseling or some way the lesson they wanted to be taken down and be preserved. Now, 
that was very painstaking, I imagine, because there's no erasing. You know, like if you're writing with a pencil or you're typing on the computer, backspace wasn't a thing on, you know, metal plates. Not only did they have to do that, but then you had a compiler, you had Mormon, who took all the information and spent years and years of his life reading and studying of different, different topics and histories and storylines, who then compiled them all into what? He, he distilled them further into what was the most important. So we have this, this very distilled, very concentrated work of scripture that has been created for us. I would ask then, are we treating it with the respect that it deserves? I know that in my own life there's I have I have been somewhat lax in my study of the Book of Mormon and need to repent because there is much there that should be taken seriously, that should be treasured and held sacred. Now, continuing on, interpretation by the gift of God. So the gold plates themselves contained a promise that they would be interpreted by the gift and power of God. Elder Russell and Nelson, the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, shared some remarkable information about the Book of Mormon's translation. He says, quote, the details of this miraculous method of translation are still not fully known, yet we do have a few precious insights. Emma Smith, who acted as an earlier scribe for Joseph, gave this account in 1856. She says, quote, When my husband was translating the Book of Mormon, I wrote a part of it, as he dictated each sentence, word for word, and when he came to proper names he could not pronounce, or long words, he spelled them out. And while I was writing them, if I made any mistake in spelling, he would stop me and correct my spelling, although it was impossible for him to see how I was writing them down at the time. Even the word Sarah he could not pronounce at first, but had to spell it, and I would pronounce it for him. When he stopped for any purpose, at any time, he would, he would, any time he would, when he commenced again, begin where he left off without any hesitation. And one time while he was translating, he stopped suddenly, pale as a sheet, and said, Emma, did Jerusalem have walls around it? When I answered yes, he replied, oh, I, did not, I didn't know. I was afraid I had been deceived. He had such a limited knowledge of history at that time that he did not even know that Jerusalem was surrounded by walls. So that closes that quote from Emma Smith, and then President Nelson continues, although the prophet would polish his skills over the years. Emma acknowledged that Joseph, that Joseph possessed only rudimentary literacy at the time he translated the gold plates. Joseph Smith could neither write nor dictate a coherent and well-ordered letter, let alone dictate a book like the Book of Mormon. And though I was an active participant in the scenes that transpired, it was marvelous to me, a marvel and a wonder, as much so as to anyone else. That comes from um, a treasure testament from 1993. So there's some more evidences as to the Book of Mormon and to the story there. Um, continuing on, the Book of Mormon affirms God's covenant with Israel. 
In addition to testifying of Jesus Christ, the Book of Mormon demonstrates that God remembers his covenant with the house of Israel. The Guide to the Scriptures describes the house of Israel, its scattering and its gathering. Think, quote, the Lord gave the name Israel to Jacob, the son of Isaac, and grandson of Abraham in the Old Testament. The name Israel can refer to Jacob himself, his descendants, or to the kingdom those descendants once possessed in Old Testament times. The twelve, ti- the twelve tribes of Israel. Abraham's grandson Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, had twelve sons. Their descendants have become known as the twelve tribes of Israel or the children of Israel. The scattering of Israel. The Lord scattered and afflicted the twelve tribes of Israel because of their unrighteousness and rebellion. However, the Lord also used the scattering of his chosen people among the nations of the world to bless those nations. The gathering of Israel. The house of Israel shall be gathered together in the last day before the coming of Christ. The Lord gathers his people, Israel, when they accept him and keep his commandments. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are the portion of the house of Israel that has been gathered to the knowledge of their fathers and to the covenants of the Lord. The Lord has declared, For ye are the children of Israel, and the seed of Abraham. Concerning the Book of Mormon's role in gathering of Israel in the last days, Elder Bruce R. McConkie of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles wrote, quote, As far as the gathering of Israel is concerned, the Book of Mormon is the most important book that ever has been or ever will be written. It is the book that gathers Israel and that reveals in plainness and perfection the doctrine of the gathering of the chosen seed. It is the book given of God to prove the truth and divinity of his great Latter-day work. It contains the fullness of the everlasting gospel and carries with it the evidence of its own divinity. Every person who is truly converted knows by the revelations of the Holy Ghost to the Spirit within him that the Book of Mormon is the mind and will and voice of the Lord to the world today. It is the Book of Mormon that causes people to believe the gospel and join the church, and, as we have heretofore seen, it is the power that brings to pass the gathering of Israel. If there were no Book of Mormon, from a practical standpoint, the gathering of the Lord's people in the last days would come to a standstill. The lost sheep of Israel hear the voice of their shepherd, as it is found in that book, and heeding that voice, come into the true shepherd, into the true sheepfold. There is no way to out, no way of overstating the importance of this book of Nephite scripture in the salvation of men in the last days. Close quote. And that comes from a new witness for the Articles of Faith from 1985. This is one thing that I remember kind of learning from myself a little bit on my mission with the Book of Mormon was that if it didn't matter, it didn't matter what was said, what kind of convincing tactic, what kind of alluring sales pitch, whatever it might be, whatever was used to try and entice someone to come to church paled in comparison to the power that the Book of Mormon would have on the person if they would willingly read it and seek and truly seek to know if it was true. If they would do that, almost undeniably, they would have a desire to be baptized and to join the church and to, and to 
come to Christ, which is more, which is more important than just coming to church every Sunday. Coming to Christ is more it, being converted to Christ. I should say, becoming converted. That's that's better. That was only attainable when somebody sought to know for themselves by the power of the Holy Ghost if the Book of Mormon was true. All other questions die away once that truth is obtained. Once people fully understand that, once we fully understand that, once we fully are reminded of that, we feel that burning fire within us, that song of redeeming love, as Alma talks about. I'm, I'm honestly looking forward very much to the opportunities that lie before us in studying the Book of Mormon and what it means for us in our lives. I pray that as we study it on our own, that we prepare to read this book, this most important book, that we will have the courage to repent of those things we need to, that we might be more in line with its teachings, whatever that may mean. We'll close out with this last piece of convincing Jew and Gentile that Jesus is the Christ. According to the title page, the purpose of the Book of Mormon is to bring Jew and Gentile to the conviction that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God, manifesting himself unto all nations. The Book of Mormon, subtitle, Another Testament of Jesus Christ, emphasizes its paramount purpose. President Boyd K. Packer, president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, explained the significance of the subtitle. Quote, By recent decision of the Brethren, the Book of Mormon will henceforth bear the title, The Book of Mormon, with the subtitle, Another Testament of Jesus Christ. The stick or record of Judah, the Old Testament, and the New Testament, and the stick or record of Ephraim, the Book of Mormon, which is another testament of Jesus Christ, are now woven together in such a way that as you pour over one, you are drawn to the other. As you learn from one, you are enlightened by the other. They are indeed one in our hands. Ezekiel's prophecy now stands fulfilled. That comes from, close quote, that comes from his uh, October 1982 conference talk. Uh, President Ezra F. Benson explained the meaning of the word testament. He says, quote, do, do we remember the New Covenant, even the Book of Mormon? In the Bible, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. The word testament is the English rendering of a Greek word, a Greek word that can either also that can also be translated as covenant. Is this what the Lord meant when he called the Book of Mormon the New Covenant? It is indeed another testament or witness of Jesus. This is one of the reasons why we have recently added the words another testament of Jesus Christ to the title of the Book of Mormon. That comes from his October 1986 general conference talk. 
Elder Russell and Nelson of the Comatose Apostles counseled, quote, When you read the Book of Mormon, concentrate on the principal figure in the book, from its first chapter to the last, the Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Living God. Close quote. That comes from his October General Conference 1999 talk. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland gave further explanation. The Lord has offered, quote, the Lord has offered us one last covenant, given us one last testament, as part of his final outreach to fallen man. He has offered us one last written witness of his love and his mercy, extended for the final time. That testament and culminating witness, that new covenant offered to the children of men, but once more, is the message of the Book of Mormon. No record teaches more of God's promise to those in the last days. Those promises focus on his only begotten Son, on the merits and mercy and grace of the Holy Messiah, who shall make intercession for all children of men, and they that believe in him shall be saved. The task of the children of God in these concluding days of the world's history is to proceed with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save, to press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope, and a love of God and of all men, feasting upon the words of Christ and enduring to the end. This is the way, and there is none other way nor name given under the heaven whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. No other book helps us do this so well. No other book was ever divinely produced and protected solely for that purpose. No other book has ever been written with such a full view of the future dispensation to which that record would eventually come. In its message of faith in Christ, hope in Christ, and charity in Christ, the Book of Mormon is God's new covenant to his children for the last time. Brothers and sisters, it is our opportunity to study this work throughout this year. I pray that we will give it its due diligence. And I testify that as we do so, we shall find Christ in our lives. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.